Hey guys, welcome to The Jig Is Up. Uh, it's just me tonight. Normally Jason would be joining us, but he has some things he's got to take care of. So uh, we wish you well, Jason, and hope you, you're back on the show next week so that uh, it's not just me ranting and raving. But uh, I, I want to get into one thing before we really start the show, and I want to just, uh, some of you may have noticed that our intro music has changed. And while the music has changed, it is the same artist. It is still the music by Dreesus. So I want to really thank him for his music again. And if you can get to iTunes and you want to buy some of his music, please do so. Um, but his the song we're using now is a, is a portion of the song called Red Winter. And he wrote that song when Idle No More was happening, when he saw what they were doing, and it inspired him to write Red Winter. And it, it kind of became the, the anthem for Idle No More, to be honest with you. If you were watching, uh, recently there was a rally downtown in Calgary for Tina Fontaine, and he performed that song live. And uh, so you would have recognized, certainly from there, that it's that's our intro song. And that kind of leads us into, um, you know, I guess the latest uh, punch to the gut for Indigenous people in when it comes to the justice system, which is the verdict in the Tina Fontaine murder case. Um, you know, it, it was... I knew it was going to happen. I knew the guy was going to get found innocent. I just absolutely knew it. And yet it still still hurts. And there's a lot of people that are hurting right now in the Indigenous world. There's a lot of anger. Um, and I honestly have no advice. I can't say that it's undeserved anger. I wish I could be very, you know, stay positive and change can happen. Uh, but I'm very cynical at this point of the justice system when it comes to Indigenous people. Um, you know, my, my, my whole family's been affected by this. All of our friends are affected by this. Um, there is a camp here on the, just outside the courthouse in Calgary, which, as far as I know, is the first time it's ever happened. And they're, they're there to raise awareness to these, the, the injustices that are going on every single day in this country towards Indigenous people. Um, so that's, you know, I guess, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, that camp was inspired by another camp of the same name that was started in Winnipeg. Uh, so check those camps out on, you know, um, on Facebook and things like that and, and follow them and, and be sure to support those because those things are important. I think there's a new one that's opening. They just started it up in Regina now too. So that's three camps and their, their goal is to have these right across Canada. So if you, if you feel like you want to go camp out in the steps of the courthouse of any, any of your communities, just head on down and set up a tent. Um, you know, the interesting thing about the the Calgary one is there was at, where they're camping is actually the site of where uh, a young Indigenous man was found murdered. I believe it was in 2012. And so um, tonight they're having, you know, uh, some, some some ceremony and prayers and things like that for that young man. So it's it's kind of uh, you're you're camping out to kind of protest. The fact that Tina Fontaine's verdict, Colton Bushy's verdict, the verdict in the Cindy Gladue case, and and all these cases across Canada, all that are happening all the time, that where everybody seems to get away with murder of Indigenous people, and and you're doing it on the location of where a murdered Indigenous man was found, young man was found. So it's kind of heart wrenching. Um, I've been down to the camp a few times, and it, well, a couple of times, I think twice, yeah. And uh, but yeah, if you if you're in the Calgary area, you certainly get down there and just uh, visit with them, check it out. 
Uh, they're always more than happy to see people and talk to people. It's right downtown Calgary, so they're getting a lot of visibility. And from what they say, they've you know they've had a few people kind of be negative about it, and they had a little bit of a run-in with a couple of Calgary police officers. But for the most part, um, the Calgary police have been pretty good, and as far as I know, they're not getting evicted off the land or anything like that. So, so show your support for that stuff because I think that's important. I mean, if there's some Métis that want to go down and camp with them, I think they could. You go down, talk to them, and they would be more than happy to have you down there. But uh, that's, you know, I'm, I don't even know what to say really about that anymore. It's, um, I, I think just as communities, we got to come together and we got to take care of ourselves and take care of each other. So if you're able to, reach out to your, to your fellow Indigenous and, um, you know, Métis, First Nation in you. It doesn't matter. Reach out and, and let them know you care and try and come together as a community and, and deal with these things because this affects all of us and it, it, it hurts everybody, and there's just no way around that. Um, and so I think there's a lot of people that need 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 some some help, some hugs, some just some community to give them that strength again, give them that I, don't, I guess give them a little bit of hope. So if you're able to be that person that that, that reaches out, be that person that's there for people when they need. Um, and that's really all I can say about it. That's um, that's where my mind's been at on these cases for the last two weeks. I'm very disappointed that I have to be back here talking about another verdict. Um, like less than three weeks after the previous verdict. So it's it's just disheartening. Um, I wanted to, you know, moving from there, I know it's kind of uh, odd to continue to talk about Métis politics in the light of such, you know, travesties of justice. But I think uh, I think it's important. We have a lot of things happening in the last uh, week or so in the Métis world, at least here in Alberta. Uh, I know federally we've had a budget come out. The Liberals are all proud of their new budget. And, you know, there's highlights there, like $500 million to the Métis Nation for housing and 135 or $85 million for this. And But keep in mind those are over 10 years. Um so that really is only in place as long as the Liberals stay in power. Um, and that's for 10 years, over 10 years. So, okay, $500 million, that equates to $50 million a year. Well, when you have five provincial organizations and a national organization, let's just assume the five provincial organizations split that up, you're down to $10 million dollars. Then there's going to be your overhead, your wages, your your office, your rent, your, you know, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's going to rack up to be about $2 million. They'll probably hire more staff and all that kind of stuff. So really you're you're looking about, realistically, I think you could see maybe 6 to $8 million actually go into housing. And what does that mean? When we talk housing, what does that mean? Does that mean... That the communities here in Alberta or Saskatchewan, the, are, are Métis people going to get homes to live in That when they are living in shanties right now? Are they going to get, you know, running water put into their homes? Are they going to get those kinds of upgrades? Or are these organizations going to simply use this money to buy more properties to rent out? I, I don't know. Um, I know the cynical side of me, what it wants to say, but I'll leave that up to you guys. I'm not going to... I'm not going to cast judgment yet until I see them actually 
and what they're going to do with this money. On top of that, uh, with the federal government and of any color, I don't care if it's liberal, conservative, or otherwise, um, when they announce a budget and they say they're going to put so much money and they're going to budget for it, that doesn't necessarily always mean that you actually get that money. Um, we've seen it in the past with the past conservatives and liberals and everybody else where they budget an extra $20 million for that department and that department never saw that $20 million. So, you know, when the money's actually there, when people actually have houses, when people that need the housing money are actually getting the housing money, then I will be more impressed. But right now, it's a lot of words, it's a lot of paper, but it doesn't account to actually improving anybody's lives. Um, and it won't for at least another year. I mean, bureaucratically... I mean, INAC is going to get a little bit of this, or whatever it's called now. The Indigenous Relations Department's going to get a chunk of that because they got to pay for administration of all the housing issues. So that's probably going to take up two or three million. So on and on and on. So at the end of the day, there's not a lot of money getting to the people. And is it getting to the right people? I I don't know. I I I have my doubts. So when I see action, when I see improvements, I'll be impressed, and I'll come on here and I'll say, hey. I'm impressed. Um, but <clears throat> So there's a lot of stuff like that going on. And so, you know, obviously new budget and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a few things I, I read recently that I wanted to talk about too. Uh, there was an article in a, I don't know if it's a new publication or something that's going out. It's called uh, Lee Nouvelle. Um, and it talked about the dissolution of key parts of the Métis Nation of Alberta governance structure. Um, where there's no answers at all as to why it's dissolved and what's happened to it. Um, their vice president, um, shortly after getting elected in, I think it was 2014, uh, he, he resigned in 2015. And rather than follow the procedures they have in place to replace that person, they simply haven't filled that position until, and they're not going to until the next election, which is this year, in August. So, Why? Why is that? Why, why are you not even following your own procedures? And I think that's the, the thing this article really brought out was that, you know, the, the management structure or the, the governance structure of the MNA isn't even following their own bylaws and procedures. Um, they have a judiciary council which is supposed to adjudicate any dis, dis, um, disagreements between people, between members and, and the MNA and stuff like that. Well, they just dissolve that. So that doesn't exist. But, you know, according to their bylaws and stuff like that, you can't just dissolve it, And but they did, and so now nobody knows why. So it was a, it was a really good article, to, and I, I think if you just look up Lee Nouvelle, on, uh, and it's L-I-I Nouvelle on, um, on Facebook, you should find the article. It's been shared around a bit. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. I, I don't know, I would have no idea why they would do those things other than... I really think it's to ensure that a certain individual has all of the power and all of the decision-making ability and all of the money is at their control. Uh, with the M&A structure the way it is, which is why I am a huge advocate for getting rid of these corporate, non-profit board structures as a system of governance, and I used air quotes there, uh, because they just don't work. All of the power and authority goes to one person. And that one person can do what they want. And you can say, no, no, they can't. They have bylaws. Well, they did. 
They did exactly that. They did what they wanted. And there's no answers. They, The VP quits in 2015, and they don't replace him, as per their bylaws. Why? And there's no answers for three years? Well, how do you run an organization like that and say you're all about the people? Oh, you're about representing people. That's ridiculous. That's, that's the most ridiculous statement ever. You're all about representing people, except if they ask you a question you don't want them to. Then they can screw off. Um, and that kind of sentiment is running rampant right now in the Métis Nation of Alberta. Uh, Region 1 recently has their vice president has been suspended because he signed some deal with the Métis Nation of Alberta that went against the wishes of, guess what, the people in Region 1. So this guy went out with no authority and just signed this deal with the MNA. Um, so Region 1 is signing a deal with itself, the, the head office, I guess. Uh, and he did it against the wishes of all of the Métis people in that territory, in that region. So, again, just doing whatever the hell they want. On top of that, in Region 1 now, um, there's... I just there was a news article come out where people are are very very unhappy with where's the money, and they can't get answers as to where the money is, and I think if you want to look at an organization, and you wanna you wanna be critical of it, and I can be sit here and I trust me I can be critical of the MNA all day, I can also be critical of the Liberal government all day, I can be critical of the Alberta government all day, because this is taxpayer money and this isn't a joke, this is people's lives we're screwing with here. Um, you know, I, I wish we had a lot of things on the federal and provincial level that we just don't have. And it's because of the lack of action or the inability for people to to get over their fear of getting reelected. And But I think the crux of being critical to these organizations comes down to when, when the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 1 office is kicking elders out of their office because they're there to ask questions about the financials, I think that's wrong. I think you seriously have to question what kind of organization is this when it's kicking its own members out for daring to ask a question about where the money is spent. Um, from what I understand, uh, like I, my understanding of a representative organization is that it's there to represent people, so the people should have the ability to ask questions, get answers, find out where that money is, things like that, that is in that should be inherent in your organization. And the fact that they got rid of their their uh, whatever they called it, their um, body that adjudicates uh, disagreements. So now the members can't even complain and get a hearing and get some sort of resolution. There's no body to govern that. Um on top of that, they can't get answers on where the money's spent. On top of that, there's no VP to keep the president in check. So guess who's just running amok with this? Guess who's just doing whatever they want? That's right. The one person in control of it all. The president. And I'm sorry, but it looks very, very shady. Um, it, it looks like a very purposeful act to ensure that whoever's in that position now, and we all know who that is, that it, it just seems to me that it, it is very purposeful. It's very purposeful to ensure that that person retains all the power, all the authority, all the answers, all the knowledge, all the, all the knowing of what's going on, knowing of where all the money's spent, 
and they get to reap all of the benefit. Uh, when you have members that are living in trailers with black mold, with no running water and no heat, and then you can't even be bothered to tell them where you spent the $200,000 in the area, in the region that they're in, come on, that's just ridiculous. When you have members in traditional Métis communities that can't get membership because they were when they were born, there weren't doctors around, and they weren't born in hospitals, so there's no birth records. But the whole community knows they're Métis. They were, you know, and you're telling them, well, because you have no paperwork, you can't get your Métis card. When you start doing these things, you're no longer representing people. You're representing your organization. And that is the crux of the corporate board structure. The corporate, I mean, what is a corporation? It is a separate entity. What is its sole purpose as a board? To preserve that corporation and do what's best for the corporation not what's best for the employees. I mean, you can't tell me that Walmart is doing the best thing it can for its employees. If it did, it would pay them more. If it did, the Walton family wouldn't have, you know, $90 billion between the three or four of them. They would have, you know, a few, $2 billion between them all, and their employees would get paid $80,000 a year each. So... My, uh, Walmart is there to make money for Walmart and do what's best for Walmart, and they don't care who gets hurt in the process. And it's no different with any corporate board-structured nonprofit where they use the standard system of governance that the government of Alberta or the government of whatever province or the government of Canada gives you, which is there's a president, vice president, secretary, treasurer, a couple board members, you're good to go. Because all that happens is as that grows, the the money and the power tend to make that implode on itself. And that's what we're seeing. It's a completely ineffective way of governing. So, you know, it's it's things like that that really irritate me. And, you know, when when I get questioned as to how Métis I am or, well, why don't you just join them and, and change it from the inside? How are you going to change 90 years of this kind of thing? If If you could, I would like to see it. And I would love to see the MA change. I would love to see the members of the Métis Nation of Alberta getting their just dues. I would love to see all of the benefits rolling right down into those communities and into those people's lives. I would love nothing more than the communities in northern Alberta that are members of the Métis Nation of Alberta to have adequate housing, to have adequate jobs, to have adequate um, opportunities to get education, scholarships, things like that. I would love that. Absolutely, I would love that. But the way this thing is structured, that is not going to happen. It's just simply not going to happen. You need to come up with a new new system of governance. You can't have a democracy with one voice, and that's it. You can't have a democracy, or call it a democracy, when people get kicked out of the office for daring to ask questions as to where the money is spent. That is not a democracy. A democracy doesn't work this way. You need opposition voices. You need opposition parties. You need you need to allow everybody's voice to be heard. And that's what you need. And this style of corporate board nonprofit structuring doesn't allow that. So on on you know <clears throat> there's all those problems going on so their region 1 is getting a lot of heat uh in the media and from its members for finding out where the hell the money is all spent. Their, the Region 1 Vice President has been in, suspended, I think. just I, I don't think his membership has. I think he's just 
not re not vice president right now um for the meantime um and you know then you have questions as to why are they why did they dissolve the um that the part of them that actually adjudicates these dis disagreements between its members and and the governance they got rid of that why did they do that nobody knows why did they not refill the the vice president position in 2015 who knows um so you got these things going on it's just kind of a gong show really so a lot going on here in alberta and i don't think this is um you know this is not anything different than any other province that's under these metis nation organizations has seen um or has seen in the past at times so you know it comes and goes in waves but uh and one of the other things that I noticed too, um, a couple of days ago, the Métis Nation had a presentation they were doing somewhere. I think it was in Edmonton, and they were unveiling. It was a constitution talk, so they're they're working on their constitution. Well, I don't know how you what that really means when you're still a nonprofit, a corporate board structured nonprofit organ corporation under the Alberta Societies Act, but they're working on their constitution, which is great. Okay. <laughs> I, I listened to all of about three minutes of the video of the guy talking because he opened up with this. And and I, I just started laughing as soon as I heard it. Um, he said he was, you know, he's happy for everybody to be there tonight, uh, to hear, to, to discuss the building their constitution and where they are on that and everything. And he said, you know, this is something that Métis people have wanted for 350 to 400 years and we're, we're finally doing it. And everybody cheered and clapped and he went on. And that's where I ended the video because I couldn't believe what he just said. So I, and I'm, I paused there on purpose. We talk constantly about their definition of Métis. Métis are from Red River only. Um, they're of the Métis Nation homeland, whatever that is. And uh, outside of that, none exist. There's no Métis in Quebec. There's no Métis in the uh, territories. There's only Métis in certain portions of northern tips of the United States and that kind of thing. So there's these very restrictive definition, and it's very Red River nationalistic. Um, but I, I'm confused then because uh, Red River wasn't around 350 to 400 years ago because, you know, I, I did the math, and I double-checked my math. But if you take uh, 2018, which is the year we're in now, and you minus 350 years, that puts you at about the 1628 area. Where was, How was there Métis in 1628 in Red River area? So they just acknowledged that there were Métis in the east going back as far as the 1600s. Now, I don't know about everybody that's listening. I, I hope you guys have a good grasp on Canadian history. Uh, but there was only a little bit of uh, European or non-Indigenous people coming in in the early 1600s, late 1500s, early 1600s. Um, that would have been where Acadia started. Um, and that very early, early contact on the East Coast. The East Coast. Um, because I'm pretty sure that they didn't like parachute jump over the Maritimes and Quebec and land where those three rivers meet. Um, I'm pretty sure that did not happen. So they want to restrict Métis by this definition, but then at their own function, where they're talking about their constitution, where they're going to be a self-governing organization, when the government of Canada graces, grants them that, 
and they talk about Métis wanting this for 350 to 400 years. What what the hell is that? That this is like the hypocrisy that just oozes out of these organizations is unbelievable. So I thought that was hilarious. Personally, I think it's hilarious that anybody tries to argue this Red River nationalism now is just cut off at the knees. You know, all these academics out there running around, sorry, but your own organ these organizations recognize there was Métis 350 to 400 years ago. Well, there's only a <laughs> there's only really a couple of places where there could have been Métis back then. It's not like there was hundreds of thousands of non-indigenous people on the shores of the East Coast. Um you know, 400 years ago. Uh, so let's say if, if you get a chance to maybe look up that video, I don't know where you'd find it now, uh, maybe on their Facebook page or something like that. It was very interesting. All you got to do is listen for the first five minutes or less, and I tell you, you'd, you'd get a whole uh, whole history lesson right there. Um, so that was that's all I got to say about the, the Métis Nation of Alberta right now. They're just in a total spiral of of upheaval right now um they're really pegging their hopes on on the government's just ordaining them as self-governing bodies and uh i i i don't think they understand that the government of alberta the government of canada and the crown are never ever 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 going to allow them to be on an equal level as them why would they ever do that when they don't have to right now? I mean, if you're the government of Canada, why would you give away your power and your tax base and your money and your funding and your voters? It doesn't make sense. The best you're going to get is maybe you'll get sword... I can't even see them getting out of the Nonprofit Society Act era because... How? There's no, there's nothing like that. Um, even on First Nations. First Nations have corporations after corporations and stuff like that in, in order for the government to be able to track all their money and do all these audits on them that are they're constantly doing. So it's not just like a, a group of ragtag people came together and, you know, got a, got $8 million and walked away with it. It's It's very tracked. It's very, you know, organized. So... Maybe what they'll do is make them rather than a non-profit corporation. Maybe they'll just turn them into a corporation. I, I don't. I don't know. But I, I just can't see them giving them giving the Métis Nation of Alberta the same authority that the that the province of Alberta has. I don't. I don't see it, folks. Um, so that, that's my opinion. And uh, I, you know, you're certainly entitled to disagree. But I just don't. I don't know when that would happen. Um, the other thing I read recently that was very interesting is. Um, I read a, a person put together, someone from the one of the settlements here in Alberta put together a sheet, and it was kind of a fact sheet about court cases and the Powley uh, case, and he had all the cases listed, and I shared it on the Métis Society page. And um, I'm not sure if I shared it on the Jig is Up, but I shared it around a little bit. It was a very interesting article, and essentially what it is is it's stating the fact that the Métis settlements here in Alberta, the only land-based Métis in the country, by the way, um, don't meet Pali criteria. So none of the Métis living there meet Pali. Or maybe they do, but not because they're living on the settlement. Because uh, the settlements were, were built, were founded after the Crown exerted control in the way of the province of Alberta. 
So we had a provincial government that granted that. Well, then they don't meet Pali criteria. So technically speaking, I would say probably the vast majority of Métis living on those settlements won't meet Pali criteria. So if they don't meet Pali criteria, you know, again, we go back to these academics and these Red River nationalists. They don't meet Pali criteria. I guess they're not Métis. And I think this puts things into a real conundrum. Because, granted, the Métis Settlements General Council will, will probably negotiate something with the federal government and the provincial government to maintain their rights. However, they won't be maintaining them as Section 35 rights. They'll be maintaining them as negotiated rights between the settlements and the governments. So, if the settlements can't prove that they're to a Pali test that they're Métis... That puts them at the same, according to these academics, it puts them at the same level as Eastern Métis, who have a hard time proving Pali criteria as well. So here you have the settlements, um, basically at the same same level as Eastern Métis, where they're going, well, you guys don't pass Pali, so I guess you're not rights-bearing Métis. And I hearken back to uh, a disgusting and absolutely, I think... Not only disrespectful, but just absolutely catty um, response to the court out on the East Coast upholding their verdict that the Valcors, I think it was the Valcors that went, were found illegally harvesting mussels or something on, on a national park. So they built this national park on, they had to, I think they had to bulldoze or destroy 10 Acadian villages in order to build this national park back in like nine, in the late 60s or something like that. And they ousted all these people, just like they did in Jasper, by the way. Just like they did in Jasper, Alberta. Um, so this guy decided, screw this, I'm going to go and exercise my rights to that land. That's our family land. So he did, obviously got arrested. He knew that was going to happen, took to court, blah, 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 went or. And the Supreme Court refused to see the case uh, because they feel like they there's no point to it. And uh, so the the ruling held that they were guilty of illegally harvesting. So, And the disgusting part of this was I seen a couple of internet trolls who like to do nothing but keyboard attack people um, celebrating and, and cheering and saying, oh, I hope this ends this the, these idiots from the East saying that they're Métis and pretending and going on and on like like the the class act people that they really are um <laughs> so are you going to I'd be curious to see if they're going to celebrate that the fact that the Métis settlements don't meet Pali criteria now cuz that's what the court case out east was about they didn't meet Pali criteria cuz they uh they couldn't prove that they were a Métis uh village before crown control even though they were Acadian villages uh they said that doesn't constitute Métis and according to the courts and, of course, these Red River Nationalists love the courts, right? And uh, the same courts, you know, that uh, find the murderer of Tina Fontaine innocent. And the same same legal system that finds the murder of Colt Bushy innocent. And the murder of Cindy Gladue innocent. And uh, gives the guy that, that um, you know, dismembered and... <sighs> distributed the body parts of, of uh, an indigenous woman here in Calgary, guilty of, of you know, doing, not even murder, but just doing, uh, you know, disrespecting a dead body. So he got a whopping 18-month sentence, suspend, or, you know, sentence, and I'm sure with time served and blah, 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 it'll probably be 
three whole months that he's in jail. This same legal system, they're celebrating because, you know, the guys out east can't prove they're Métis. Well, neither can the settlements. They can't prove they're Pauli Métis. So what happens now? Where does that happen? And I I, I really am suspic- suspicious of what's going to happen here. Um, I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of power play to exert control over the settlements and usurp the Métis Settlements General Council. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I actually feel really bad for our settlement Métis out here because uh, this... This is the the hypocrisy of the Canadian government's legal system and the Pauli decision and all this stuff. <laughs> if you're if the people living on the only Métis land in Canada don't meet the criteria, I think we've gone down the wrong rabbit hole. And so, you know, I'll leave you guys with that. Um, it's it's been a very busy week in or a couple weeks in Métis stuff. Uh. And of course, with these verdicts coming out, it's just, it seems like there's so much to, to talk about, to deal with. And I really hope Jason can be on next week so we can kind of maybe uh, get his take on some of these things or maybe deal with whatever new comes out in the next week in the Métis world. Um, You know, get out there, guys. Show support for these camps that are going on to bring awareness to the injustices going on towards Indigenous people. I want to give a huge... Um, Shout out to the Walking With Our Sisters Calgary organization that's bringing that here to Calgary. It's in Calgary, and it's going to be getting set up soon. And that's going to be happening, I believe, at the end of April. I I will check that and post it on the Jig Is Up. If you're in the Calgary area, they're always looking for volunteers, so go to the Walking With Our Sisters website, which is WWOS Calgary, or just Google search for Walking With Our Sisters Calgary. Um, and they have calendars on there for anybody in Canada. They have calendars you can buy on their website as a fundraiser. They're 20 bucks, And they're beautiful calendars, guys. Get out there and buy them. They need to sell them so that they can put this on and do a great thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's a display of to, to illustrate the impact of missing and murdered Indigenous women. And I to, to all the Métis out there, keep in mind, I'll bet you 30 to 40% of that, that all the mock tops in there are Métis. So, you know, there's there's a lot of Métis in there. And that means there's a lot of Métis missing and murdered Indigenous or Métis women and girls. So this isn't a First Nation thing or an Inuit thing. This is Indigenous. And we need to come together. Tina Fontaine is representative of that verdict and that travesty of justice is... It's representative of how we're all treated in the justice system. I have no doubt that as soon as somebody in the justice system found out I was Métis, I would be treated differently, um, even though I'm I'm very white passing. So, you know, guys, like get out there and support these camps. Like them on Facebook and share their stuff on Facebook and send some support their way as in whatever fashion you can, whether it's just some kind words, some supportive words. If you're in Winnipeg, Regina, Calgary, get down to these camps. Go see them. Go talk to the people there. They're amazing people. They're doing great things. I know the three people in the, the that are camping here in Calgary. Um, I'm and they're just they're fantastic people. So get out and support that. If you want to take action, take action in your city, man. Get out there. Throw up a tent. Throw up a TV. Let's uh, let's do this stuff and let's show that Métis pride. Um, and that's all I got for tonight. I'll, uh, it's going to be a little shorter podcast because we don't have the, the other lunatic going crazy. 
And, um, but yeah, if you guys got any thoughts or anything like that, uh, you know, send them our way at MaintyPodcast at gmail.com. And hopefully we'll have Jason back next week so you can get his take on a lot of this stuff and you don't have to just listen to me rant and rave. And that's it, guys. That's all I got. Now uh, just go be the change you want to see out there. And the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. And it will be a fire that doesn't burn, but a fire that cleanses. A fire that ignites in our hearts and creates light. 